to the glory in our stories. On this episode, we'll be speaking with Topher. As I always say, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is episode 26 of The Glory in Our Stories, as I have been promoting for the last couple of days. I am sitting across from the awesome, uh, the talented Topher. Uh, He's a local hip-hop artist. Um, I'm just going to let him pretty much explain who and what he is. Uh, I always give a brief history as far as how I ended up meeting uh, the people that I interview. So, uh, I met him last year, overheard him playing uh, downtown, overheard him performing downtown at um, Arts in the Heart. Uh, I was telling him I was walking past uh, Augusta Commons and they were on stage. It was him and Major Sound and that's exactly what they made, a major sound. And man, I was walking past and I was like, who is that cat on the mic? So, I ended up running into Eamon um, Eamon Hudson, who is a uh, creator of, of A-Hud Music, but he changed it to A-Major. And um, I was talking, I said, hey, man, that's Topher, man. Yeah, he's he's the new thing. And um, yeah, he's, he's a very uh, conscious rapper, and he's very articulate and very um, particular about your wording. And he said, yeah, man, you, you'll love him. So I started wanting to hear more of your music. And then I ended up going to y'all's concert last last year, which you're pretty sure you'll mention. But uh, I can go on all day as far as how excited I was to uh, experience uh, not just a local concert, but just being in a room full of people that just love music and actually being in the presence of someone who appreciates uh, hip hop, let alone music in general. Um, so, uh, so thanks for coming, man. I know you had a little struggle getting here, so. Uh, I blame it on Augusta University. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I love you, Augusta University. No, man. Uh, yeah, man. It's like devil was trying to work against me today, man. For real. Um, first, I went to the wrong location. <laughs> then I had to battle traffic to get here, man. Then I went to the wrong building. Then I finally got here. And all I got to say is, for some reason, this conversation, the devil was trying to keep us from having this conversation. Yeah. So I'm very excited to see what unfolds after this conversation. <laughs> because usually when there's a lot of, as you call, uh, disruption or, or a fight to do something, yeah. there's usually something great afterwards. So, yeah, yeah man. So um, we'll just jump right into it. Um, I've heard bits and pieces of your story, but now I get an opportunity to actually like, get it. Because I'm just curious because it's like bits and pieces of a puzzle. And now hopefully we get a, a full picture. Uh, even though we got a limited amount of time. Um, so first question is, as I always ask, uh, where were you born and uh, what was your upbringing like? Well, I hail from Kill Michael, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. A lot of people always make fun of the kill part. <laughs> we did have Michaels, so it was probably kind of a little awkward for them. Yeah. But Kill Michael, Mississippi, man. Uh, graduation class of 22. Just to give you an idea how small the school was wow. in town. Are you for real? Yeah, 22 people. And we were considered a big class. Dang. Yeah. Wow. 22 people. I was the valedictorian of that class. That's what's up. Um, but, uh, yeah, 22 people. Kamiko's pretty much in the center of Mississippi, mm-hmm. backwoods. 
the closest movie the movie theater was an hour away. Wow. So that was considered a trip. Yeah. Versus an outing or going out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really didn't get to venture to movies as much as I would like to now mm-hmm. that I'm in Augusta. I uh, grew up had one parent household, my mom. Mm-hmm. I had one brother who was living with me. I had two older sisters on my mom's side. My dad uh, did not live with us. Mm-hmm. He was a married man, so we was born outside of that. Oh wow! Yeah, and um, he has. I have eight brothers and sisters on, well, combined mm-hmm. on his side, and I have four. No, three. No, four. Four on my mom's side. So twelve. I, so I have, yes, twelve siblings. That's a lot. Of kids. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good though. I mean, yeah, it's, that's good. Wow. Um, low income, everything you can think of, the, yeah. the whole you know whole story. Grandma stayed next door, in the, you know in the south that you stayed right next to grandma. Mm-hmm. You know, um, auntie stayed across the street. My sister stayed across the street while yeah. I was growing up. So it was very uh, family oriented in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, in just small house. I still to this day I was like, I could palm my roof. That's how small the roof was. Wow. <laughs> Palm on roof. I'm five seven, so think about that. So roof wasn't even six foot. Um, like I said, small. But even with that, man, we felt we had a lot. Yeah. You know, I do want to say that my mom made sure that we had everything, mm-hmm. necessities. Even sometimes we got some our wants. Yeah. But uh, I had to learn to work at an early age, man. So I was think I, I would say my first job I was fifteen. We had a local grocery store that uh, ended up hiring me, so I was just a bad boy for a while. Yeah. And then when I turned 16, I finally went off and worked for McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Kept up the family tradition. <laughs> my, my mom worked there. First yeah. of all, when it first opened up, my auntie worked there, mm-hmm. who hired my mom. Yeah. Then my mom became the manager. Then my mom hired my sisters and my uh, cousins. And as I as I got older, they moved on. I ended up working the same place. So like yeah. I said, just carrying on the tradition of working at McDonald's. And after that, I worked at Super Value, which was another grocery store, mm-hmm. over some crazy stuff that happened. And um, it was good. I love Super Value. Uh, made some good money. Mm-hmm. was able to provide and buy some things I really wanted. And then I went off to college, man, and went from college to Air Force. Mm-hmm. Did six years in that, and now I'm here in Augusta. And what number are you in the lineup as far as the kids? I am second to the youngest. Oh wow! <laughs> so your your oldest siblings are like up there. We're not too far up there, but no, they're up there. Uh, my sister, I said, my oldest sister on my mom's side is forty one. Oh wow! And my oldest sibling on my dad's side, I think, is forty five. How often do you see him or even talk I'm, to him? On mom's side, all the time when I go home, because mm-hmm. that's who I grew up around. Yeah. My dad's side, I never really got to. Meet them until I was older. Mm-hmm. And by older, I mean I like eighteen, even grown. Yeah, you know, um, I never was really taken to my dad's house, and if I was, I never was taken inside. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think his mom or his wife really was too fond of me, given wow. you know the circumstances. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, man. Uh, it's different now. Yeah, I, I do want to meet them. You know, I tell people. Because I have nieces and nephews, you know what I'm saying? Not, the relationship we may not have had as sisters and brothers and may not be able to be reconciled or yeah. made up for lost time, but I do have nieces and nephews. 
that I would like to, you know, talk to and get to know and grow up with. So I try to stay connected, but it's hard, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell people, <laughs> my family isn't a big call you family. Mm-hmm. So we may call each other once a month. Yeah, I talk to my mom every other day though. That's my that's my girl. Yeah, but uh, my <laughs> sisters, you know, we understand we're busy. So I think that's mainly because my sister, she's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. She just wish she just actually got a new job. Um, and my other sister, she's busy working Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, open and close. So it's really hard to talk to them, have a conversation. Yeah. I think the craziest thing is my nephew's about to graduate college. So that's. <laughs> if that kind of gives you, yeah, wow, yeah, it is amazing how, um, like my uh, just my nephews there would be three this year, but I just remember like holding them when they were like swaddling, yeah, and it's just amazing how time flies by and it put things in perspective. Like you, you feel like man, man I'm getting old, but <laughs> um, but as far as the relationship with. Your dad. Um, so you didn't you you didn't see him. Well, did you saw him? As far as you you spoke with him, you can had conversations. Mm-hmm. But as far as having a relationship to the point where y'all could just see each other frequently, that no. wasn't that wasn't. We enough. may have saw him once or twice a year. Oh wow. Um, he would try to come around on birthdays. You know, give us some birthday money. Mm-hmm. We re- my mom didn't put on child support and nothing like that. So yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that would probably be all, as often as I would see him. So I was that kid that your dad would tell you that he'll come see you and you get yeah. all excited, and he most of the time didn't show up. Yeah. If it would be pretty like this, it was rare if he actually kept his word. Mm-hmm. So eventually I got to the age where I just didn't care. Yeah. You know, you just give up. It's just like, okay, I ain't going to see your dad. I see you when I see you. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a long time, I was just kind of like, bitter, but I felt like as I became an adult and I got an objective or just a more, I don't know how you want to put it, as I became a man, as I became a husband, as I became a father, I realized why he wasn't around as much. Yeah. I can see why. Yeah. I wouldn't do that, yeah. but I can see why. And um, mm-hmm. so I think I, I forgave him for that. So we kind of, we talk more often now. Mm-hmm. Um, about different things, so we did kind of reconcile that a little bit. But growing up, it was yeah bittersweet. Now you mentioned it was good. You made a, a statement just then that really made uh, a lot of sense in reference to who you are now. You said that your dad was pretty much um, he wouldn't really keep his word, but you are the type of man that does. You strive for that. Now, do you do that in the sense as to say I won't do what he did, or this is just something that happened? I know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of in between. Yeah. For a long time, I realized I wasn't gonna be like my dad. Mm-hmm. But after a while, I realized even I can hold to that standard. But you know, like I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do that. And I end up actually being just like my dad. Mm-hmm. And I realized why is because that motivation came from a negative space. Yeah. So if it came from a negative space, it couldn't birth anything positive yeah so now I just try to create my own ethics and, and rules and, and policies that I go by and mm-hmm. that are come from a positive space like I want to keep my word not because I want to be better than you but I want to keep my word because I want to uh, be trustworthy like I want to be this 
I know it's important to you type thing. You know, yeah. more of a positive shift on it. No, the falling, well, growing into the responsibilities of a husband and a father, how was that transition for you? based off how you grew up and what you were exposed to as far as the concept of marriage and family? You know, <laughs> I really didn't think of me as being a bastard child mm-hmm. and my mom being the side chick. Yeah, That wasn't ideal to me. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe just a year ago I thought about that. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I it really didn't hit me. I think... I don't know, I guess as a kid or just growing up, you really don't think about those type of things. Yeah. Ultimately, you just want your mom and dad mm-hmm. to be together. I always wonder why, given the fact that my mom did date some horrible guys. So yeah. you always wonder, like, what happened to dad? You know, I know he's better than God than these guys that you're dating. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, it's difficult um, at times because I know my wife grew up with that. So she has a different expectation mm-hmm. or different perspective than I have. Yeah. So when I think I'm doing enough because, you know, I kinda have to build yeah. that idea myself, she thinks I'm not doing enough mm-hmm. because she already seen it. Yeah. And it wasn't just a it was a good one. It wasn't just a bad one either. It was a yeah. really good marriage. Um so at times we clash mm-hmm. because of that. Um but it just it sucks, you know. Yeah. Sometimes you just think about it, man, like I really couldn't help that, because um, pretty much I just grew up knowing what not to do, not so much what to do. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, obviously, I know not to cheat. I know not to mm-hmm. hit you. I know not to not work and not provide. You know. I know that's. I know those things. But I don't know what I should do when this happens or that happens. So things like that. It's been taking a long time to learn. Yeah. Which has caused a lot of rocky times. But we've been married for almost six years now. That's what's up. I think I'm getting the hang of it, finally. And just purposely trying to learn, you know, Mm -hmm. going to, uh, looking at other seasoned married people. Yeah. And and just trying to see what they are doing that's successful Mm -hmm. and implementing that into my strategy. And it's funny you said that because I, I too, grew up in a house, just a single parent. It was just my mom and my two older sisters. Uh, Dad lived in Shreveport, and he had another family and he was married but my mom was the primary he was the wife she was the wife and then it was the other mom that was the side woman but it was at times that my mom felt the opposite Mm. which I didn't as a child you don't really think about that like this is this is normal it's normal to come home and see all the decisions made through mom and like you said I grew up knowing what not to do because you see the effects that it has on especially on well not only your siblings but your mom right um, but not having that, well, for me, it was not having that example, not seeing that every day. Like you said, you just, you know what I don't plan on doing, but as far as what to do, that's something that I have to, that's knowledge I have to keep acquiring as I get older. Yeah. Um, and it's funny you said that, um, because you mentioned that your mom, your dad is a blues, blues player. Yes, he's a blues singer. Blues singer. And he's also a writer. He's a writer, a blues and, singer. And guitars. Guitars. What what are the instruments does he play? I think that's it. Just guitar. Yeah. Just, just guitar. guitar. And what did, did he ever talk to you in a sense to explain where that came from? 
and as, and as far as what sparked that interest in him was that just seems like it's just a natural because I've heard him play maybe just a snippet and that's not just something that anybody can do like that is something that's ingrained in you and it's something about blues music that um, a lot of the odd generation I believe won't probably never fully appreciate yeah. uh, but where did that come from did he ever speak to you about that or funny you mention it I think just within the last year I may have found out where it came from yeah, I never really thought about it, but uh, when I was growing up, uh, oh, actually, I'll go back, scratch that. A year ago, within the last year, mm-hmm. the reason I found out why he got started was I read an article they did on him in the newspaper and explained that his mom didn't want him playing the blues at all. She wanted him to just play church music. Oh, wow. But his dad was a big supporter of him playing the blues, so mm-hmm. his dad supported his dream of playing the blues. Um, apparently my dad was really great at track and everything else <laughs> which I never knew like I said until recently mm. and um, I think that's where it came from and he just kept up with it man uh, definitely something he loves because he's been doing it since he was five, six, seven, Yeah. and now he's like 63 and still playing the guitar so wow that's crazy I hope you all are enjoying the interview so far um, it's like I said, it's been a distinct honor interviewing Topher, um, getting to know more about his background, getting to learn more about the source of who he is and uh, the answer to why he does what he does, where his energy comes from, um, where his, um, his passion is stemmed from. As you can hear, um, it was some of that was uh, passed on from his father and uh, man. It's pretty amazing how uh, we inherit uh, the gifts of our parents, but they may come into formation a lot differently um, than those before us. So continue to listen to episode 26 of The Glory in Our Stories featuring the awesome, the talented Topher. Was he self-taught? Self-taught. Dang. Self-taught, um, 50 years. 50 years, yeah, I know. <laughs> wow, that's about a twice our age, pretty much. Definitely. Matter of fact, I can easily say 55 years. Man. But 50 years, um, he's been playing and he's just now getting the recognition for all that hard work. Yeah. So, to me, now that we reconciled our relationship, is very motivational yeah. and inspirational when it comes to my gift. Because, you know, as you stated earlier, I'm more of a inspirational artist. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to yeah. really draw the crowd of someone who's talking nonsense. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I know that if I keep at it eventually... Yeah. My time would come around, you know? Yeah. So to see my dad finally sign a deal with Fat Possum Records out of Mississippi is very, very amazing. I'm not even, you know, bitter. You know, I understand that what he did, why he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just know that's, that's incredible. Because even given the circumstances, I can see... If I had that many kids as he had, then maybe I would have put down the guitar. 
Yeah. You know, to support him. Yeah. You know, but he didn't. You know, he he worked. Um, he was a mechanic. Um, now he owns his own shop at his house. He's been doing that for a couple of years. Well, 10 plus years. Yeah. Um, so that's allowed, well, that allowed him to continue his gift. He has a studio in the back of the shop mm-hmm. where he plays and writes songs. Yeah. So, to me, that's amazing. And I, I don't know, man, I'm just excited about it. Like, I'll be sharing stuff on Facebook, like, yo, check out my daddy. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> check out Pops, you yeah. know. Um, and I'm hoping his story not only inspires me, but others. Mm-hmm. Because I'm telling you, time kills a lot of dreams. Yeah, it does. Um, and I want people to know time is not really a factor as much as they think mm-hmm. because I believe that God can restore anything. Yeah. So if you lost time, you can restore time. He can speed up time, slow it down for you. So never think that your gift or your time has a time limit. It's just keep working at it, you know? Yeah. Um, it's funny because at this point in your life, if you wanted to, you could have had so much animosity. You could have been completely angry. That itself could have been expressed in your music. Yeah. Um, but based off what I've heard, it's it's very uplifting. And I didn't really get attracted to that until 2005. Mm. And that was a year right after I graduated high school because I was looking for something. And I was hearing, you know, the typical, because everybody who was on the radio was commercial, but they weren't saying anything. And it was just a bunch of noise. So at that point in my life, I had a need. And there was a certain amount of um, hip-hop artists that fulfilled it. Yeah. And I can honestly see you fulfilling that, especially here in Augusta. This being in a, in a uh, engulfed in artistic culture, and to hear your voice in the way it's delivered, and that's another thing. Your delivery is very nuanced. Even though it's inspirational, you know what kids are listening to. So you know, you know what? This is um, this is the river, and this is the way it's flowing. I'm gonna join a current, but I'm gonna still. Uh, be current with how I feel and what I believe people need to hear. And I can hear that, in, in, uh, in especially in your lyricism, uh, which is, for those of y'all who haven't heard him and who are who do know or are familiar with Topher, your, your skill is mad, man. Like, it's because it's you only have, what, 50, what, 59 seconds to post on Instagram? Yeah. And every time I hear it, I'm like, and it's so, and, it's, and I always love hearing and reading. So when you put your lyrics up, I'm like, man, because one thing that um, Sean from Track Stars, I think it was, he was mentioning on um, on a podcast mm-hmm. how rappers who rap fast only put fillers in their lyrics. So if you actually read it, they're not saying anything. Yeah. But everything that you're saying is relevant, and it's punchline after punchline. But it's 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 the um, it's the artistry that makes you think because you hear it and like, oh, what did he just say? And then you see the connection, and it's it's that I just I just love it. I love it. Uh, so speaking of which, what got you into hip hop? <laughs> so funny story. Um, my dad, being being a blues singer, mm-hmm. actually bought me a guitar when I was five. Yeah. He's like, they wanted. I got a picture and everything. <laughs> 
uh, when I was five years old, holding a guitar. Um, but it was something that I never really felt was me. I don't think it really suited me. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to sing. I mean, obviously, being a blues singer, yeah. you have to sing. Um, I never really had a singing voice. I could hold a key when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> but as I got older, I realized that. So my brother-in-law, actually, was the first one to put me on Eminem. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I believe I was somewhere between 8 or 10, somewhere, somewhere up in there. Mm. Um, I just know it was a just tornado <laughs> whirlwind when I heard hip hop so I can't remember but around the time he uh, I think it was the Marshall Mathers Matthews Marshall Mathers mm-hmm. um, and I think it was SCP LP and um, I checked it out and I just fell in love with this mm-hmm. you know uh, this this white rapper you yeah. know because he rapped from a place of pain mm. something that a lot of his lyrics resonated with me um, especially when he talked about his relationship with his mom mm-hmm. um, because I don't really talk about it today yeah. but I did make a song about it one time to just get it out but my mom was a really bad alcoholic mm. she would, would definitely would what you call had alcoholism Yeah. Um, there were plenty of times when I was younger 10 my mom would get really drunk, and I had to drag her out of the car mm-hmm. because she was just that drunk that she would come home. You know, we lived in Dirt Road, so no police, whatever. So, but she would drive. She would drive drunk. Wow. She would come home. She would sit in the car. I would wait up for her mm-hmm. to get out the car or to come home, and then I would hear her, and I'd go to the car, turn it off, you know, help help her get in the house, you know, lay her down, um, and then just start over you know she would always and as a kid you know I didn't know my mom was going through depression mm. you know what I'm saying like you don't we don't label stuff like that we just know my mom is wasting to me my mom was wasting money on booze yeah so seeing her waste money on booze made me angry because she would always tell us we had no money yeah. but she could spend four or five hundred dollars a month yeah. on liquor so it's like all I want is a T-shirt for a field trip that we're going on, but I can't go because, you know, you got to support your habit. So I became very bitter about her and her decisions. Yeah. Um, but Eminem related so much to me. And then I felt growing up, you know, I used to always ask God, too, why was I born into this situation? Because mm-hmm. just think about it. It's like I could have been born in Chicago where they had cities. Yeah streets, yeah. you know, places to walk and just go to. I mean, my closest neighbor was easily 15 minutes away driving. Wow. You know, um, walking was not an option. We lived in oh, no, no. We lived in the woods, like with coyotes would just come hang out with you. <laughs> like this, <laughs> this wasn't, no. Yeah. So it was very lonely at times. So... I needed an outlet, mm-hmm. so when I heard Eminem, I just started, decided to write and pick it up yeah. because I said, if he can express himself this way, I can do the same. Mm-hmm. And literally, it became like an escape. Like I don't, this was my happy place. Yeah. Music, 
I would write something, I would rap, and I, and people kind of said I did good. So I was like, okay, I'm doing something and getting praised for. Mm-hmm. I think I also sought or seeked out, or sought out praise because I would get all the accolades in school, but my mom wouldn't come. Yeah. Yeah, I would win, like, all the awards, you know, highest grade English, highest grade whatever, mm-hmm. for years up to my senior year, but my mom would never show up. Um, my mom came to one, because you got to think about it, if you got one parent and that parent don't show up, then you really have yeah, nobody. nobody. Um, so I think at the time it was really cool to see people like my talent. I think I knew I wasn't great, mm-hmm. but I knew I was on to something. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I really thought that, okay, I have what it takes to to be somebody, I won what we had, what we call the Apollo Night in the in our community, our community center. Every year they used to have what we call Apollo Night where you come up and just do whatever you did, like if you sung, dance, whatever, rap. Mm. I think I was one of the only rappers that night, besides my brother. Yeah. Um, who was younger than me. I think I was A grade at the time. Um, I rap for school, talent shows all the time. <laughs> I look back on it, it was super whack. <laughs> the reverb in the gym would just kill any verse or lyrics oh. you say. So it was one of those, but I did it. You know, I can always say, yeah, I started off crazy like that, you know. But Apollo and I ended up winning. Nice. Um, and I won against who I thought was more talented guy. Yeah. Um, because he, his name was Cortland Perkins. Mm-hmm. He actually, I think that same year we went to junior, we were on a junior high beta club trip because he won nationals for talent and so we got to go up to uh well he won state so we got to go up to um nationals mm-hmm. so that's how good he was you know yeah so for me to beat him kind of proved that people love rapping mm-hmm. and even rappers could be singers because you know so ultimately i always think singing is the ultimate yeah. expression versus rapping mm-hmm. that's how i viewed it um or just how it was accepted I mean, because even in churches, you know, at that time, uh, you really weren't rapping in church. Mm-mm. You know, that's the devil's music. <laughs> um, so it really wasn't a way for me to express myself or use my gifts. So it was really reassuring to win that. Yeah. Um, and to this day, my sister did have a clip from it. Matter of fact, I had did Shoulder Lean by Young Jero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shoulder Lean. Wow. Yeah. And what was really cool about that is I was rapping and some of the younger kids actually came up and they was like vibing with me so I got <laughs> to have that artist to fan yeah. connection yeah. which I got you know like I said it's on video but that's that moment right there is what I've been chasing ever since mm-hmm. so it's really cool when I look back on it mm-hmm. and just say that's why I got started but it's not one I ended yeah. you know that's how I got into it and I know I'm not going to be a rapper forever. I'll probably write rhymes all my life, though. Mm-hmm. You know, probably be like a black thought or somebody. Oh, you know, man. just every once in a while, just come up here and just remind you that I'm great. I'll <laughs> drop like a <laughs> like a 10-minute freestyle, ten man. 10 minutes. 10 minutes. You know how much y'all remember? And this is full of stuff. This ain't mumble. Mm-mm. 10 minutes of legit stuff. I, the, I think the most I remember it may have been three minutes or so. Dang. He, man, around minute five, he was sweating. <laughs> but he was just, and I'm like, that, 
And that's another thing with uh, listening to you in a in major sound. Remind me of the roots. The reason being is because they had a band. They had elements. They had layers. And then Black Dog get on the mic and he just killed it. And that was a reminder to me of what I loved the era that mm -hmm. I grew up listening to hip hop. <laughs> and to be able to, and it's funny because you mentioned that you freestyle. And that's something that I, I just, I don't know. It, I, to me, I think you have to be in a certain space to be able to do that and to be able to just keep going and like to have a, a certain train of thought. I don't know what, I never understood how that, that system systematically worked in your brain. And I asked you before, what could you like? What do you what do you go through when you're when you're freestyling? Like, how do you prepare yourself for that? Or you can't, or you really you can't prepare yourself. Well, I tell people you not really prepare, but you can prepare your brain. Yeah. And by that I mean practice freestyling for five minutes or two minutes a day. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you ain't got to do it for five minutes straight. Just for five minutes, you gonna freestyle. So you can time yourself and you just go as long as you can, start over whatever you're doing, yeah. and just get your brain used to connecting words. Because mm -hmm. ultimately that's what all you're doing, just connecting words that rhyme. Yeah. Um, obviously the the deeper your vocabulary, mm -hmm. <laughs> the more words you have to draw on. Yeah. Um, so if you're, if you're not good with words, I wouldn't be a freestyler. <laughs> just want to put that out there. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm decent. I I would never, and we gotta remember this. Freestyle doesn't always mean off the dome. Yeah, you can freestyle and say something you wrote, mm -hmm. and that's fine. Yeah, because that's not what freestyle means. Um, but I remember I did a freestyle, freestyle contest, mm -hmm. and re reason I we know it was freestyle because they had to give us the topic. Oh. Yeah. It was like rap about that dresser over there. So like you can't <laughs> no one writes a rhyme. One day, man, someone asked me rap <laughs> rap about a dresser. Let me get these bars ready. Man. No. No one does that. So um yeah, I did uh I did one battle rapping competition. Mm -hmm. And um I should have won first. Let's just throw it out there. <laughs> I got second. Not because the guy beat me, because yeah. it was based on crowd. Excuse me. Crowd? Oh wow. And of course, he was a senior in mm -hmm. college, and I was lowly old freshman. Man. So, what year was this? Two thousand and nine. Two thousand and nine. I was at Mississippi State, and yeah, I mean, off the rip, man, I I destroyed the first guy. It wasn't even a competition. <laughs> and then, and the funny thing was. For a long time, Eminem literally was my inspiration. Like, so when I was on stage, I was thinking, like, how would Eminem do this? Yeah. How would he behave? So I had my hoodie, like my my not my hoodie, but my skull cap on, like Eminem. <laughs> my long sleeve shirt, you know, just like up there, just like my Eminem stage. And I was like, that was like, who want to go first? I said, like, I go first. Yeah. So I just figured that I'd rather go first and just set the bar. Yeah. Which I'm glad I did. So freestyling is fun. From time to time, I do it. My nephew has made me do it sometimes. We'd be in the car. It's like, man, freestyle. <laughs> I'd be like, okay. And sometimes it's really good. Sometimes it's like legit bars. Other times yeah. it's just, you know, nursery rhymes. But yeah. it, like I say, it's just training your mind. Firing those muscles is the key. So um, and I guess this gets into my next question. At what moment did you say, 
that you would pursue, and you can correct me if I word this wrong, that you would pursue your artistry as a source of, not strictly because, but as a source of business? Well, I've always wanted to make a living off of it. Yeah. I would say that. But, so, I did have a high idea of music from rapping. Mm-hmm. Um, some people like I couldn't tell you know some people say that like I didn't know you took it off it don't sound like you took it off but I did um, for a while um, right before I joined the military back in 2011 mm-hmm. so between the fall 2010 and the spring of 2011 um, I was growing my relation. I was growing strong in my relationship with God Yeah. and I remember my um, I was sitting with my, my wife or girlfriend at the time mm-hmm. and um she had told me how so she was more spiritually adept than I so mm-hmm. I would ask her how do you know when, when God what, how do you know God, what God wants you to do yeah so she told me she's like well you know he you know he tells you he puts it on you it's, a, it's like a burning desire in you and everything and um so I was like okay at the time I used to, um, you can look him up now, but Pell is a pretty known artist. Mm. Um, How do you spell it? P-E-L-L. Okay. Um, matter of fact, I think he's going to be at the Essence Festival performing. Oh, cool. Um, so, yeah, he's he's making big moves. But uh, really great music. I love his music. I love his artistry. Um, but me and him came, we was only in college. It was him, mm. the whole crew, you know, Troop, LV, you had me as a rapper, my, my best friend Mario Devon, who's a singer. Oh, wow. so, so, yeah, we used to collab and, and throw parties together mm-hmm. and, you know, just perform. And um, uh, it came to a point where I wasn't getting as much buzz as I felt like I should have. Mm-hmm. But it, looking back on the hindsight, it's because I didn't have my business in order, but I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. You know, so me thinking it was just I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Or this wasn't what God wanted me to do. Yeah. Because I'm not being successful at it. Mm-hmm. So I gave it up. I said, okay, God, you want me to do this? What do you want me to do? Um, so I felt like he, he wanted me to join the Air Force. Mm-hmm. So I joined the Air Force. Only to find out. To run into somebody tell me, you need to rap again. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So I thought I was joining to escape. I was actually joining to be reminded of my purpose. Yeah, you know, of my gift, I would say that. And um, I went to uh, DLI, Defense Language Institute, and it's in Monterey, California. Mm-hmm. I was there for a year, and um, that's where I learned Hebrew for my job in the Air Force. Oh, cool! It was a cool time. One one thing is, I was very scared. Obviously, <laughs> I was like, I don't know how successful I would be as a Mississippi yeah. <laughs> student <laughs> with country slang and twang. Going to learn a foreign language, but not just foreign, but like a whole different dialect. Like they read left, they read right to left, right, right to left. Mm. Like everything's opposite of English. So, but I excelled. It came natural. It was really easy. I was one of the top students. Um, Then, um, matter of fact, I won an award, but I forgot what it was. Because my grades and my overall participation and, and, and volunteer, yeah, um, I won one of the top awards you can win at graduation. Um, 
But my teacher, she was a new teacher too at the time. Her name was Moran. And um, we had to present. So when I finals, because we had three semesters. Mm-hmm. So one of our finals for the first semester was we had to do a PowerPoint introducing ourselves. Yeah. You know, on our background and everything who we were. And you had to kind of do it all in Hebrew. Mm. So um, I did mine. And then everyone was like, oh, so you, you rap? Because I never talked about it. You know what I'm saying? This is something I literally just threw under the, the rug. and just, yeah. you just swept down in there and just, like, did not talk about. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's like, so, yeah, so I told my story. I told him I won awards, you know. I won an Emerge contest, which was a regional. And by regional, I mean, like, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee contest. Yeah. I won first place one month um, for that competition. So I was talking to my dad during my time, and then I let them hear some of my music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I kid you not. When I played my music, they all looked at me with the side eye after it was done. And they was just like, holy crap. Like, <laughs> You are good. Like, what are you? So you just not gonna tell nobody? I was like, look, man, you know, God don't want me to rap. <laughs> yeah, that was me. Yeah. God don't want me to rap, man. And my teacher's like, no, you have to. And for the for like the next remainder of my time, she was on my tail. Like, wow, you have to share this gift. This you have to. You have to get back started. Was, and she was like, God won't give you this gift for you not to use it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, and she stayed on me and. Matter of fact, she made me rap in Hebrew for our language day. Um, so for language day, you your class performs in front of the the local people. So local town uh, citizens come in, mm-hmm. and it's a free day for them. So they come in. I think five to ten thousand people wow. come in, and we just have this stage. Um, almost mind your arts and arts and hearts. Yeah. So you got this big global stage, and we all just come up performing class after class. So. Um, I hit the stage, and she wanted me to rap. So we started with, <laughs> we started singing normal. Yeah. Like, I forget the song's called Hallelujah or something. Yeah. We singing that in Hebrew. And then all of a sudden, all you see is a, a young black guy <laughs> spins out of the spins out of the, um, the, the choir, and then I turn my hat backwards, and then I just start rapping in Hebrew. When I tell you that these folks stood on their feet, not knowing a word I was saying, yeah, just because of that. Wow! And like I did an entire verse, um, and they loved it because we switched the beat and everything. And that's when I realized, like, okay, if I can get people moving and out their seats, and they don't even understand what I'm saying, there's gotta be something to this. Yeah. So imagine what I can do if I make it if they could understand what I'm saying. So exactly. Um, I said, okay, okay, God. Uh, if this is what you want me to do when I go to my station. Mm-hmm. My first duty station was Augusta, Fort Gordon, so here in Augusta. Mm-hmm. I said, if you want me to do this, you have to make it plain. Like, you have to provide stuff. You have to provide places to record. You mm-hmm. have to provide the people I need and everything. I, so I made it up to him. It's like, yeah. okay, you got to show me a sign because I don't want to go out here and seek it myself. Is this not what you want me to do? <laughs> Kid you not. I move in. We went to one church, so me and my wife were trying to find a church when mm-hmm. we first got here. The first church we went to was kind of like, all right, I don't think we talk about the Holy Spirit in here, so we're going to leave. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so we was kind of like, all right, church not for us. <laughs> Second church we went to was Restor- Restoration Ministries, which I've been there since since then, mm-hmm. um, almost six years now. And 
we liked it. We felt good. felt We felt it was right, so we stayed. This at the same time they was talking about the studio they was building in the church itself. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so just like, oh lord, that's one sign. <laughs> and I go to work and I run into one of the sergeants at the time, Jada, uh, Sergeant Jones, but he, he goes by Jay Villa. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bump into him. And we start talking, and come to find out he was a rapper as well. Mm. I'm like, what's the chances? And not only was he a rapper, but he was a Christian rapper. Yeah. The the path I was gonna go down, and um, reason I was gonna go down a Christian rap because I was like, okay, if God wants me to use it, obviously He wants me to use it for Him. Yeah. You know, um, and that was because of Lecrae. Mm-hmm. Around the same time, I really dug into Lecrae. And I was like, okay, he doesn't sound whack, but he's found a way to make it, like you said earlier, tap into that current mm-hmm. and make it sound current and appealing. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so it can be done. So I do thank him for trailblazing, mm-hmm. so for being that trailblazer. And um, so <laughs> I found out Jader was a rapper. And then on top of that, we bump into Kellen. Um, both of them don't live here anymore. They both got pcs Mm-hmm. But um, Kellen stayed in my neighborhood, which I didn't know, but we worked together. Yeah, I didn't know he stayed in my neighborhood. He was the same rank as me, but he was doing a different job. Mm-hmm. He was an analyst. I was a language person. Yeah. So um, so he was over there working, and then I saw him one day jogging, and then he had 116 shirt on. Mm-hmm. So I went to work the next day. I said, yo, man, you know, what you know about 116? He's like, oh, man, you know, Triple A look great. So since then, we was like, oh, what's happening? So we literally used to do what we call the bat cave. <laughs> so we used to go outside because we were living in a secure facility, so you couldn't really have phones or anything. So we would go out to the cars. Yeah. And literally, we'd go out to the cars, put on a beat, and we would just freestyle. Oh, man. <laughs> so things we, are adding up, like, in a way that is leading you back to where, like yeah. you said, what God initially put in your heart. Right. So, and then we started recording music because um, one of the guys that went to my church also was going to be over the studio was also an engineer that went to um, what's the school in Atlanta and Savannah? What's it called? I for like the arts. Um, my sister might know because she went to Savannah State, but I forgot. I don't, I don't know the name of it. Oh man! But he went there, mm-hmm. and he went for like production and stuff. So he knew he had recording equipment. Yeah, he didn't charge us for anything. So think about this: not only did I find the studio, but it was free, wow. and he provided people to make music with. <laughs> so it's just like okay. Ever since then, I've I said okay, this is what you want me to do. No more excuses. Yeah. Um, but I really didn't get deep into business until about a year and a half, two two ago. Mm. And I was like, because I was still making music, still wasn't popping off. I was getting back into the swing of things. But, yeah, I finally realized, okay, it's really not about the music as much as it's about the business. So I really cracked down. I started reading a lot more. Curtis mm. King played a lot of, um, he had a lot of influence mm. on me. Um, if you don't know who Curtis King is, he is a, um, I call it entrepreneur slash Producer. Yeah. I know. He rapped too, so he got a couple albums out. And um, 
but he's really great. He's a really great motivational speaker, and his his story is great as well. Yeah. But uh, so I used to listen to him and and just finding out tips how to improve my business, and um, yeah, so far so great. Running to even more people, there's like. You even gotta get more specific with your business. It's not so much about this; it's just really about the numbers. Yeah. So that made me crack down even more. You know what I'm saying? Because it, it humbles you, or it just shows you that your work is not done. I know a lot of times we feel like the music's done; it's not your work done. No. <laughs> and so I find out that I have a lot of work to do, um, and I'm at to the point now where is I feel that my music will blow up. After, like I'm making great music, but mm-hmm. people are not gonna love it and blow up or just gravitate to it to it like I would want until after I do what I'm doing now with my nonprofits and everything else. Yeah. Because I think after I build my name, you know, then they're gonna be like, oh crap, you know, oh so he raps too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I, I just feel that way, you know. Because ultimately, yeah. I think God's leading me to that as well. So um, in reference to the concept of entrepreneurship what do you think and this goes along with one of my questions what do you think is because those of you who are listen, listening um, told for myself uh, am Adrian Marcia and Mike Sarge we were the the um, the team the, the create team of the official create conference that happened about almost going on two weeks ago um, one of the best experiences I ever had in my life um despite uh, responsibilities that we had and getting everything put together. That was a beautiful thing, beautiful thing. And one of the uh, sessions, and I'm not going to get much detail concerning it, but one thing that um, Tofa was in charge of is explaining the business aspect of it because a lot of artists overlook that. We look at everything at the surface. This is what I can do, okay? Now, how are you going to market that? How are you going to put yourself in a position where you're not being taken advantage of? And the amount of time that you had, you explained all of that. And everybody was in tune because we were like, dang, I didn't think we had to consider that. But what do you think is the biggest misconception when it comes to uh, being an artist and um, considering um, the business side of it? I think the biggest misconception is, honestly, just, that is mainly about music. Yeah, I think that's the biggest misconception, um, and or that all I got to do is keep making music and it's gonna happen. Yeah, you know, I feel like a lot of people's like, well, eventually it's gonna give. I just keep making music. Eventually, people gonna catch on. I'm gonna make millions. No, um, a lot of people don't realize that the hits we hear are manufactured hits, and by that I mean they're hits because the labels pay to have the songs played over and over and over. Yeah. They pay to make sure their people get interviewed by the biggest people. They pay for events for the people to perform mm-hmm. and advertise. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of it is manufactured in a sense. Yeah. Um, so uh, I always tell people, like, if you're going to step into this arena, you have to be business-minded. And the reason I say that is because I've been hurt a lot taken advantage of, um, wasted a bunch of money. Yeah. When you're a starving artist, hurts. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just $100 that I wasn't expecting to lose can hurt, you know, because I know a lot of us put our all in it. Yeah. So you put your all in it, things like that can really take a toll on you. And Sometimes you just give up. 
but it's just that you didn't understand. Because I tell you know, you say people, uh, if you, the lack of knowledge creates the room for abuse. So if people don't understand what a promoter is and what they're supposed to do. Yeah. They get taken advantage of. They don't understand what a label is. You know what I'm If you don't yeah. understand the different aspects, if you don't understand um, what how taxes work, if you don't understand uh, how much this costs or what a venue is, then you you, you tend to you you get those people that will pay five hundred dollars to perform for one minute. Mm. You know, those those are still going around. And what people also don't understand is people can how A and R's really don't matter anymore. So people can say, yeah, I'm an AR with, you know, uh, Capitol Records. What's mm-hmm. A&R? Artists and rep- Repertoire. Artists and Repertoire. I think that's what it stands for. But A&R is pretty much a person that scouts artists. Okay, I see what you're saying. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so people, so usually when they say someone was discovered, mm-hmm. it, they were discovered by an A&R and signed. Mm-hmm. So that was the process back in the day. Yeah. Um, but not today. But people still use that. And still take advantage of people. So yeah, this guy's A and R with such and such. They don't care. They're just using it so they can get paid. Mm. Your music's not gonna get heard. <laughs> it's not gonna yes. be sunk up. Yeah. It's not. I, I can guarantee you that. Because even if it's sunk up, the first thing they're gonna look at is like, so what is this following like? How many sales are you making? Are you making any revenue? Because they don't care about your talent anymore. It's about numbers. Yeah. And that's why it's important because now it's even more business minded. Yep. Than before. So where it used to be like, you know, 50%, 60% talent, and then they'll take care of the rest, it's more like 10%, 20% talent, and more business. So how is it that these artists are just coming out of nowhere and just, they're banking? Now what is what is it they're doing? Like, do they have somebody behind the scenes that's like pushing their their music? And like, I'm 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 just amazed at how quickly that's happening now. Yeah, it happens a lot now, and I think we got we got to recognize what we mean out of nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. No one comes out of nowhere. It's just that they, because of streaming and yeah. things like that, yeah, they can have this stuff streamed a million times, paid for it to be streamed a million times, doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know, and then they bank that money. Now, yeah. since they got that money and the revenue coming in, they can pay to have their name and stuff in magazines on that these make, playlists. That makes sense, yeah. Right, so now they only play these playlists and magazines, and now the normal people are like, oh, who's this? So because they're featured with this, because now they done paid, you know, I remember um, uh, Gucci Man, they did a song with some, I won't call him whack, I would say uh, <laughs> uh, mediocre yeah. rapper. Um, everyone's like, why Gucci? Why would you do that? Because he probably paid Gucci $500,000 to do that feature. Wow. Stuff like that. So people are paying these artists to feature with them, and then just because you had that name associated with them, now they're going to come attach, associate with you. And sometimes it's not because your music is, it's just because you know that person. Yeah. You know, and they feel like since you know that person, the closer they are to you, the closer they are to that person. Mm. So a lot of artists are taking advantage of the system now, which, yeah. you know what I'm saying, back in the day, you know I mean? you're going to music album sales today. Back in the day, that's what it was all about. Like, Kendrick just went three-time platinum. First of all, Kendra just sold a million physical CDs. Dang. It took him a whole year just to do that, and his album was fire. Yeah. But sp- streaming-wise, yeah, he went three times platinum already. So p- 
people just don't buy CDs anymore, so you don't have to be that great. You don't even have to have a great album. You have one great song mm-hmm. nowadays, um, and it's perfectly fine. So the business has changed. So that's why I think it's very important for artists um, to understand the business side because mm-hmm. it's changing, and it's changing even faster now because of technology. Yeah. So um, if they want to make that money, if they don't want to be taken advantage of, you got to know what's got to know how to budget. You got to learn how to. You just got to know how it works. I just tell people, hopefully that, that's what I want to do is just kind of get them an idea how everything works. Mm-hmm. What they do with it, that's on them, but they need to know that. <laughs> they need to know. Yeah. That it's not going to be on talent. Uh, do you do you ever feel competitive um, as far as um, alongside your other counterparts, other artists that you meet that are pretty much probably trying their best to do the same thing that you're doing? Uh, do you ever feel like you have to I gotta step my game up because I want like having a competitive nature. Do you find yourself in that? Yeah, I think it's healthy. Um, I'm a sports guy, so yeah, it comes natural. Mm-hmm. You know, I play football, basketball, track. Yeah, you know, um, even play racquetball, tennis, whatever. You go to badminton, <laughs> video games. I mean, competition is in my blood, man. So I even battle rap. So obviously, <laughs> yeah. obviously, it's there. But no, I think competition. To me, it's, it's people hate capitalism, but that's what drives innovation. Um, it's because you just want to beat it. You want to be, beat the next person. Yeah. You know. So I think it's really healthy if it's done in a healthy way. Yeah. Um, I look at it as I need to step my game up versus I'm never going to reach that level or I need to stop rapping. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I don't think I were ever at like Jordan Lucas. <laughs> Dude is a phenomenal beast like to honestly i just like dude like how do you do what you do you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. obviously god has blessed you a little bit different <laughs> i'm the guy with the two talents you got five <laughs> you know what i'm saying that's how i feel sometimes it's like but it's not so much what you're gifted with it's what you do with it yeah so i just try to focus on becoming the best version of me given the fact that you know i've overcame speech impediment I've overcame country twang and everything else mm-hmm. to get to the point where I can speed rap and be enunciate. So I had to overcome a lot. Because yeah. a lot of people listen to my music, they won't even know I'm from Mississippi. Um, and that's just because of a, just the path my life has taken. Like yeah. I'm saying, when I went to language school, I went to California. Ain't no black folks in California. <laughs> I'm going to let you know this now. If you go to California... Unless you're in L.A. or Hollywood, there ain't no black folks anywhere else, man. Yeah. It's a bunch of Mexicans and, and white people. <laughs> That's all I had. So they don't speak like us. Yeah. So it helped remove some of the accent. And in fact, when I came back home, my friends were like, <laughs> why you sound white? <laughs> I was like, gosh, like, just because I'm talking proper does not mean that, you know, I'm white. But, uh, yeah, so that helped which ultimately I didn't know at the time was going to improve my my delivery. Yeah. Um, but it's just so many amazing things God is doing. It's turning all my negatives into positives. You know, I always tell people uh, every, every city needs a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to be the hero for my city, even if just for myself, because I know I, I want to promise my younger self that, hey, that promise I made was like, hey, man, we're going to make it, we're going to make millions, and we're going to make sure we help other people in the similar, similar situations you've been in. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I want I want to be that advocate. I want to reach back and help those of us in the same situation. So I make music for them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just I just try to uplift them, you know. I think I would say who I would consider competition, or who or who I would not really consider competition, but who I would use as a guide. That's what I would say. Um, you got to have a ruler. Yeah. A measuring stick. Mm-hmm. To kind of judge your progression, so I have a few people. It's like, okay, if I can get their producer, or I can get to their level of production on their music, I know that I'm growing. Mm-hmm. Or if I get to the point where I can rap that many words as fast as they can, yeah, then I'm grown. You know, so it's not really competition to me. It's just a standard yeah. or it's, it's a level I'm trying to reach. You know, exactly. So, and like I said, it does it does haunt me. It's very daunting at times. <laughs> you know, just like. These folks got like eight million followers. I got like three thousand. It's like, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying it's like, man, how the heck, you know? It's like every time I turn, someone I never heard of before just comes out and just kills stuff that and do it even easier than I do it. Yeah. Like um, for the competition I'm in right now, I'm about to submit. I just got the song back, you know, mixed and mastered, but I'm about mm-hmm. to. I got to create a video for it, but. Eat My Beats Contest by AKT Action. I'm going to enter that. Mm-hmm. And I saw one of the contest entries. I'm just like, I thought my chop game was going to be top level. He just gets in there, even though he's, and I will say this, once once again, he's using a lot of filler. He's really not saying too much. Yeah. But it's to the point where they don't care what you're saying because it's insane what you're doing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So uh, it's one of those things. So he's just insane guy. So I'm just, there's another person that's like, oh, man, see, I thought I was going to win. You know, it's just one of those things, like, it gets me down. But then I realize I need to be worried about my progression and what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. The fact that I'm still throwing my head in the ring despite seeing giants like that in the contest is yeah. what's more important. Because um, I made relationships because of the contests I, I've entered. Like when I did, uh, Cato did the um, No Suck MCs um, 5. He did it uh, last year. I entered, placed top 30 out of 500-plus entries. Wow. That's you what's know, um, and he, he named it out, and we've established that relationship, and I've gained his respect, you know. So yeah. it's always not really – you may not be first, but you still can kiss somebody's eye, mm-hmm. and they can keep you – and just use that to, to build relationships in a different way, you know. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, somebody – I forgot, it was, I think it was a pastor. Somebody said – who we are in the future is dependent on us now to make a good decision. Just like who we are now was dependent on who we were younger to make a good decision. But ourselves are our biggest critics and people that hold the biggest standards because in the future we're obviously going to be better, hopefully, than we are currently. But what we're doing now is going to dictate what we see ahead of us and um speaking of which in reference to the city and due to the the time limit i'm gonna make this the last question cause i think it's very important because i can hear it as you speak and i hear it as i've got to know you over the last year what would you say is your personal vision of the artistic of the art culture here in augusta where would you where do you see it going as far as how is progression currently Honestly, man, I see it being the spark of a new movement. 
Yeah. In music itself, a culture and music, um, Atlanta has trap. This is what they do. The king of trap. I mean, you ain't going to, this yeah. is it, you know? <laughs> ain't no one going to duplicate that. But Augusta has its own version of music that I think can really compete with that. Mm-hmm. Like, trap is not going to be there forever. Things go in cycles. Yeah. So I think if we get ready and prepare ourselves when it swings back around, we can take the scene. Um, like you said, you, you think I'm dope, but I think there's a lot more artists in the city just as dope, if not doper than me. You know, so yeah. um, honestly, I would like to see us, and I'm hoping to establish, is a standard. Yeah. You know, um, Augusta does not have a standard for entertainment, for performing. Therefore, the perception of artists in the city is overall bad because mm-hmm. you do see those bad apples that should never hit a stage in their life. Um, but what's happening is venues are not, they don't care about the art. Mm. If anyone could bring in $2, they're going to let them hit the stage. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? So that's what's happening. And I, I hate to see that because... I know a lot of us is out here working hard. You know, a lot of us yeah. are not trying to work another job. Mm-hmm. We're trying to make this full time. And when you have clowns taking up venue time that you could use or who are building or just making a, a, a bad perception about artists in the area, it's very nerve. I just nerve wrecking, you know. Mm-hmm. And I hate to see it. Like, I understand you're passionate understand this, but we're just not going to let anybody do anything. I think there's a time and a place, and I think there needs to be a standard. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in Atlanta I've been, you know, in and out the last several months, and I feel like there's a standard in Atlanta. I mean, I really haven't been nowhere where someone's just, like, as trash as we've been. Yeah. Like, here, you can still see people who just, <laughs> I saw one performance, they they ain't finish recording the song they perform the song <laughs> yeah so how did, that, how did that go I mean they literally said hey we we just played the first verse we're gonna rap it real quick and then and that's what they did <laughs> so things uh, like that yeah is besides people performing high and drunk wow yeah it's it's very rampant in this city more people are willing to live the lifestyle before actually obtaining it or working toward it, mm-hmm. they'll rather appear like they're there versus actually be there. Yeah. Um, and to me, like I said, all it does is hurt us because, you know, even with hip-hop now, like, when people mention rapper, it has a negative connotation to it. Yeah. Like, you, you have to literally say, well, you know, I'm a hip-hop artist, oh, versus, well, I'm an inspiration hip-hop artist, oh. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. because just hip-hop art itself is just so negative now. It's just overwhelmingly negative, which is crazy because it wasn't, it didn't start off like crazy negative like that. Um, I always tell people too, the, the first Grammy was Will Smith, who was a clean rapper. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't tell you you don't have to cuss or you could be positive and still make hits. Yeah, I don't know what's it can, what else can tell you. So I just say the city needs a standard. Now, hopefully we can establish it. Hopefully we can raise the level mm-hmm. of, of artistry we see. Because I would like to see it raised not just for me, but for you. Mm-hmm. Because you can't sustain a career doing what you're doing at this moment. Mm-hmm. If you want a sustained career, you gotta you gotta up it up. And hopefully 
with me performing with a live band, it, you know, kind of shakes some people. I feel like we've done that. I feel like people have seen the power of a live band, and we really haven't been invited to perform yeah. since then. So um, I think it's working. I think once we get everything going, get some workshops going, mm-hmm. and get involved in the community more, and continue having these type of conversations with some of the um, spear runners or head runners, Mm-hmm. And um, in the community, I think we're gonna be all right. Um, I'll say this before I let you go. I'm, the movement that I see, I see it a progressive movement in you. I see it in Amen of uh, A Major. I see it in Mike Sarge. Um, the ability to do what you do very well and to have good quality, and be like, man, I I shook hands with this person because usually when you think of quality, you think of people in the mainstream people that have hits people that have been doing putting albums out like once every year people that have guaranteed seats at the grammys people that are names will be nominated like regardless like they're they're they they become the equivalent of like meryl streep or denzel like they you they have they they've set a standard but i've listened to you all's work and i'm like yo these people are here and that's very impressive and I already know that once you you all just keep doing what you're doing, at some point, this fishbowl would be too small for you, and you're gonna have to be put in the tank. And if not, next thing you know, you gotta be put in the ocean. And it's just it's gonna become too small for you because you're becoming too big for where you are now. And I'm not downplaying any other artists, but I'm coming across a lot of people that do add quality to what they do. And it, like you said, it's time that people come here and say, hey, man, or go somewhere else. You know, you know, we need to bring somebody from Augusta. Let's not bring somebody to Augusta because that's part of the argument and the disagreements that's going on. It's like, why is all talent coming here? It's being imported but not exported. Yeah. And it's good to listen to you all and say, hey, man, at some point or even now, it's going to happen. Y'all are going to be called away and People may get a little salty, like, man, you know, what's the name started here first? I'm like, well, maybe so, but they started. <laughs> they started. And I, I love you all's drive, and it's, 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 it, 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 it inspires me in a certain way. And when you get, and I can say this personally, when you get to a certain point in your life when you're thinking about your future, and the word that I like using now is legacy, mm-hmm. because you're building that not just for you. You know, you're building this for your wife, your daughter, and her children, and this this is something that's going to resonate like forever. And you're setting that that standard. And as a fellow uh, lover of hip hop, well, I'm gonna be honest, R&B is always gonna be <laughs> my favorite, but hip hop is like right there. Yeah, because it, it changed my life. Just like uh, the way you feel about Eminem's, the way I feel about Common. Like that when I first heard that album, I yeah. was like, it changed everything for me, and I never wanted to go back. So, uh, but because of time, um, I really appreciate uh, taking time out of your life. I don't like saying day. I mean, out of your life, because I know you have a busy schedule. I mean, you, your fam, you have a family for goodness' sake. And um, but I just, I would say it's very admirable to see what you represent, especially for your daughter. That that yeah. father and daughter relationship. I've always admired because that 
listening to why you were raised, that wasn't present in my home. So we don't know what that really looks like. We have an idea, but we don't know what that looks like. But it's good to see now, yeah, especially in 2018, that that relationship is very vital and you see the positivity that's in it. And um, even with um, Mike Sarge and his son, like it's it's good to see that that uh, that sense of sorry to say that that sense of black love because oh. it's it's been misinterpreted for a long time for a long time. But you have broken a lot of barriers. You um you are the you very articulate. You're black. You have a family. You went to college. You speak Hebrew. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You rap Hebrew. Um. You're breaking a lot of stigmas. Yeah, actually, my speech in high school was about not being another black statistic. Yeah, there was. Um, I don't remember if you if you ever listened to Kurt Franklin, but uh, mm, I forget yeah. what album it was. But one of the speeches in it was about being another black statistic. Mm. And so I've, I I kind of live by that code, that mantra. I refuse to be another black statistic. Mm. So marriage, you know. I was gonna stay married. I was be faithful, you know, be around for my kids, yeah. be educated, um, won't go to jail, <laughs> you know, be entrepreneur, be be rich, be wealthy, you know, just all the things that you know you really don't see us majority doing. So yeah. I didn't want to be that statistic. If I said if I'm gonna be a statistic, I'm gonna be the one percent. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, Tover's the one percent because he's rich. You know, let me be that statistic versus. Yeah. Another black man shot jailed or whatever. So So what's the I want them to hear it again. What's the phrase you coined? <laughs> rappreneur. It is. I am the one and only rappreneur. So if you hear anybody else using it, um, if you're a fan of mine, please shoot them in a fit. No, I'm just kidding. Do not shoot them. <laughs> um just say hold up, hold up, that's Tofers. And um but no, uh I I definitely coined it. I love the term. Mm-hmm. It reminds me that it's about the business every time I say it. So instead yeah. of me saying I'm a rapper, I'm a rapper newer. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Um, so, and I tell people my mantra is a dream pursued is a dream come true. Yeah. So, the only way you your dreams will come true if you pursue them. So, stay focused and stay faithful, you know, in, in, in your abilities and, and just just knock it out, man, you know. Don't let time dictate anything. I would say, don't let that dictate anything. Just work, grind, and networking, and just learn. Mm-hmm. Learn the business. You get far, like, even now. <laughs> it's funny because the more I feel like I know, the less I find out I don't know. Yeah. yeah I heard that so many times, especially for people older than me. So, uh, yeah, just learn. And, and find some people, get you a team, you know, I might create team, but get you a team, <laughs> and it definitely gonna help you on your way, man. So, what's um, once people hear this, it's gonna be the end of the week. What do you have coming up in the future that people need to uh, know about? Um, any events? Any? I we're planning a show, and someone hit me up for a show in June. Mm-hmm. Not sure exactly what date yet. Arts and the Hearts is coming up September. Yes, I put my application in for that. I will find something out in June. So hopefully you guys see me there on front stage again. And um, we do have an interest slash investors meeting for Create Augusta coming up uh, within two weeks possibly. I think April 25th is what was it? April 28th. 
or April 26th, one of those days. We haven't decided yet. Okay. Um, it's going to come up, so if you're interested, please come out um, and support the movement because one thing I want to tell people, Creative Gus is not for us. It's for you all, for yes. you, all you creatives that truly want to understand um, the business, that truly want to have a support system because sometimes your, your family don't support your, your craft, yeah. your idea, but we will, and we will not only support you, but we will show you how you can turn it into a, a monetary value or a stream of revenue for you. So mm. come out if you're interested and follow us. We're doing a lot of great things for the city of Augusta. So uh, again, thank you all for listening. Uh, that was Topher. This is episode 26 of the glory in our stories. Mm-hmm.